0: Well, let's go to 1 John and chapter number 4, 1 John and chapter number 4, pardon me, and then uh, also, if you would, uh, please mark your Bible in Matthew chapter 25. We'll reference it just uh, for a significant um, portion of Scripture that's related to what we're looking at here tonight. So 1 John and uh, chapter number 4 is going to be our text, the latter part of it, verse 17 through 21. So 1st John and chapter number four. How about we begin our reading in verse 12. So 1st John four and verse number 12. No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us and his love, notice this, is perfected in us. Okay so no man hath seen God at any time but if if we love one another God dwelleth in us and his love is perfected in us hereby verse 13 know we that we dwell in him and he in us because he hath given us of his spirit and we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. My, what a verse, right? What a verse. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, notice this, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. Now, friend, listen, that's security. That's eternal security, okay? Whoso shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he In God, notice verse 16. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love, dwelleth in God. Are you still paying attention right there? God is love. He that dwelleth in love, I'm going to back up just a minute. God is love. So he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God. You see it? All right. I mean, you really have to pay attention to what you're reading here. All right. No time to go on a daze. God is love. He that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God. Watch this. And he says again, God in him. All right. Verse 17, our text. Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in what? The day of judgment. Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Watch this now, pay very close attention to it, because as He is, so are we in this world. As He is, so are we. In this world, we have boldness in the day of judgment because as He is, so are we in this world. There's no fear in love, He says. There's no fear in love, but notice this perfect love casteth out fear. Perfect love casteth out, throws out, drives out, kicks out. Not sure if kicks out would be an <laughs> appropriate way to say it, but that's the idea. Casteth out fear because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he's a liar. Right, everybody catch that? If a man say, I love God, I just don't like him or her or them, okay? He's a liar. He's not telling the truth. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? He's making the argument from the lesser to the greater. If, if, you, can't, if you can't love your brother that you have seen, how do you love God that you haven't seen? Verse 21, in this commandment, have we from him that he that loveth God love his brother also. He that loveth God love his brother also. All right. So this is uh, sermon 21 in our series, Love God's Way. And so I'm entitled the message this, the impact of perfect love, the impact of perfect love. Now, I'll be honest with you, it's not, have you noticed, I mean, this is, These are simple words, very profound insights, okay? And you really have to pay attention to it. Well, you should anytime that you're reading God's word. So the impact of perfect love. Familiarity breeds confidence. Familiarity, you you, you thought I was going to say contempt, didn't you? Familiarity breeds confidence. Confidence. Now, the old adage is familiarity breeds contempt, which means the more you get to know somebody, uh, the less you respect them because you got to know them because they've got bad qualities. But watch this. The more you get to know God, the more you respect him. Familiarity breeds confidence. You should be so familiar with God that you don't fear meeting him. You ready? Ready? God help us. You may be seated. We're going to get right into it here tonight. You ask an engaged couple here tonight. How many engaged couples do we have? And we got one here, one up here that's new. Uh, Where else? Engaged couples. Raise your hand. All right, I know there's others here. Uh, just asked one on Sunday. So when are you get married? And he named the number of days. Almost the hour. Because he's looking forward to it, right? Brad Norris did. Looking forward to it. He uh, named how many days it was till they got married. And I'm sure that others could do the same. Joel, you got it down how many days? 37. 30, see what I'm talking about? Right there. Third, good job, man. I was, uh, I was going down a limb, hoping you were ready for that. So 30, was he right? Actually, Okay, good, good deal. There's the bigger question. So yeah, 37 days, all right. Now there's, there's excitement about that. There's anticipation about that. Obviously they're looking forward to that day. They're not dreading its arrival. All right, if he's saying there's 37 days and I'm in fear, No, okay, good. I just thought I'd check. Um, now, a little nervous? Sure. I-, I imagine anybody that's in their right mind would be a little bit nervous about getting married. Just, I mean, just, it's a big step. It's a big step. I mean, honestly, there's a song. In fact, it's, it's entitled How Beautiful. You, man, many of you know the song. It's a beautiful song, uh, How Beautiful. But that was a song that was you know, being played while I'm in the back of the auditorium waiting to, I think I was about to bring my mom in and I'm hearing that song. So every time that I hear that song, I'm telling you, I get nervous instantly. Because I, you know, I mean, it was a, other than my salvation, you know, the greatest day of my life. I was standing up there and watched Angie come in. Her dad brought her in. And my, I mean, my knees were shaking and, you know, blood left my head. Don't lock your knees. I mean, all those things are very important to remember. And, and I was about to pass out. It's the greatest day of my life other than salvation. You know, I mean, but I was a little bit nervous about that. There's, there's an understanding that you might be a little nervous about that. But dread, fear. Uh, if there's dread and fear, something's not right. Something's not right. I mean, just imagine how different it would be. Hey, man, how many days till you get married? Just 50 days, man. I don't know what I'm going to do. What if you ask somebody that? Hey, what, what do I do? Uh, I'm, I'm not looking forward to this. What do you mean you're not looking forward to this? Man, I'm scared. I, I don't know. I don't know how this is going to go. I'm, I'm frightened. and Something be wrong. Because something of such great significance It ought to be something that you're looking forward to, not dreading. Because here it is, the day of their wedding is the day when two people are united in a marriage that loves one another, that love one another, and love dispels fear. Okay, Now, let me talk to you about another day that he's talking to to us about here in the Bible, in John's letter here, that is really the most important day of your life, though sometimes we fail to to think about this particular day. And that would be this day, the day that you stand before God. Everyone here tonight will one day stand before God. Everyone here, everyone that's not here will someday stand before God. God, does that thought generate fear and dread, or does that thought generate excitement and something to look forward to? I believe it was Brother Dave McCracken this this past Sunday. He prayed, Lord, I can't wait to see you. Was it Brother McCracken? It was somebody I heard pray recently. but, But anyways, I believe it was Brother McCracken. He said that, Lord, I can't wait to see you, Lord, something like that. That's good. I can't wait to see you, Lord. I I think we ought to live with that type of of a view on life. And so John here in this account, he's writing to bolster their faith. He's wanting to encourage them that, look, you can look forward uh, to the time when you're going to pass over and pass on into eternity. You can look forward to that with with confidence and assurance and even excitement and anticipation. Now, I, I get it. I understand that there can be some nervousness about that. You know, and I'm not saying that we need to go around morbidly looking forward to the day of our death. I mean, that's just, that's not good. But looking forward to seeing the Lord, yes. See, and you may, you may be, you know, um, have a lot of fearful thoughts. I mean, there may be some that, uh, you know, even recently have been either diagnosed with something, and that that can be very normal. That there's a certain amount of nervousness. But but here's what John is saying: when you know who God is and the love that He has for you, you don't have to dread that day. You can look forward. To him. Let's let's look a little bit more closely here. He's trying to strengthen or reinforce their confidence. He wants them to be assured of God's love. And tonight, you know, you can be assured of God's love. Boy, what a a letter we heard just a moment ago. In fact, to be honest with you, you just heard the message in one letter. What the the gentleman wrote, what was 27 year old? What he wrote is exactly what I'm trying to preach here tonight. That you can be assured of God's love. You know, you can feel like you don't deserve it. You can feel like, you know, God could never love you. I think we get mixed up on God's love because of the way that love goes between us humans. Now, little kids, they've got it figured out. Noel, age seven, she said this, love is when you tell a guy that you like his shirt, then he wears it every day. <laughs> so she's got it figured out. Billy, age four, I like this. It's actually really good. Love, when, you, when, you, when someone loves you, he says, when someone loves you, the way they say your name is different. Isn't that good? When someone loves you, the way they say your name is different, you just know your name is safe in their mouth. Isn't that good? Age four, little Billy. He said, you know your name is safe in their mouth. Now, don't you wish love just stayed right there between humans? I mean, just sincere, pure, innocent in many ways. But isn't it true that human love fluctuates? I believe what we can do is at least one thing we could do is that we can apply human type love to how God loves us. And they don't even compare because God's love for you does not fluctuate with your performance. Praise God for that, because otherwise his love for us would be all over the place. But his love doesn't fluctuate. A farmer once uh, uh, put on his weather, weather vane, you know, that's telling which way the, the wind is blowing. He wrote this, this statement right here from First John, God is love. And his neighbor criticized him. He said, you know, why would you put that on your, on your weather vane? You're communicating that God's love is fickle and that it changes all the time with, with the wind. He said, no, actually, it's quite the opposite. No matter which way the wind of life blows, God still loves me. Amen. And you and I need to know that tonight, that no matter what the winds are that are blowing around in your life, that God still loves John is writing to these believers and, and he's trying to help them to understand that, that God's love is consistent and that, that they can trust God and they can trust his, his love. And, and so he's trying to give them even the assurance of their salvation because let, let me just back up here a little bit. It's been a bit that we've been in for Sean and to remind you that there were those that had left the church fellowships, they, they left the church and, and uh, in fact, John said they never were really of us because they denied the, either the humanity of Jesus Christ or the deity of Jesus Christ they weren't right doctrinally, and they weren't truly born again. They weren't truly saved, and they were also showing this. They were showing this. Uh, they were showing uh, distest being. They were distested with the people. They were showing hatred towards those that were still members of the church. They weren't loving. And so they were causing even those believers there to possibly even doubt their salvation. So a lot of what John is doing right here is he's trying to help them see, listen, you can know for sure that you're saved. Now, we're going to get a good dose of that in chapter number five. Which, by the way, thank God tonight that we can know for sure that we're saved. That we don't have to wait till the end to find out whether or not we're right with God. But you can know right now tonight. And I'd say to anybody here that's, that's here and doesn't know for sure, then listen, you need to make that sure tonight. Don't put it off till another time. You can know for sure. John is conveying that. And he's giving them some indications. Okay, how can I know for sure then? Well, one indication is this, is that if you love the brothers consistently, now, now come on, I, I understand, and I think John would, would also identify this, that there's gonna be times that it's gonna be hard to show love to one another, right? But if a person has a consistent way of life that doesn't show love for his church family at all, there's a problem right there. There's a problem right there. There's something lacking. Because when you're born again and God dwells in you and you dwell in God and God is love, that ought to make you loving. Does that make sense? All right. So he says, beloved, let us love one another for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not, knoweth not God for God is love. That's chapter uh, four, verses seven and eight. And then he goes into chapter, verse number nine and following, and he talks about hearing his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins, not for our, well, that's chapter two, not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. But he's, he's the wrath removing sacrifice for us. Hey, listen, you want to know something? God loves you. If you doubt that, look at the cross, look at the cross. So true believers here, he says, they will show love to one another. And the, and, the, and the evidence is that, of that is that since, since God's, bear, bear with me right here just a little bit, follow along. Since God's characteristic way is love, because God is love, he can't be otherwise. And if a person is consistently showing love, then the source of that love is not in themselves, because love is a fruit of the spirit, not of the flesh. And thus, if a person is truly showing love, they're in God and God is in them because that came from God. So that gives evidence of a person's salvation. Another evidence, of course, that we've already covered. I'm I'm trying to uh, be brief on, on these, but is this, that they would be doctrinally sound regarding who Jesus is. They know that Jesus is the Savior of the world. You can't be saved without acknowledging who Jesus truly is. He is not a savior of the world among many saviors. No, he is the only savior. That's what that verse is saying. There's not a way through, uh, uh, through Confucius. There's not a way through Buddha. There's not a way through, through uh, Muhammad or Islam. No, there's only one way of salvation. The Bible very plainly teaches that and the believer understands it. That, that the Father sent the Son into the world to be the Savior of the world. Now, that does not mean that everybody's automatically saved. But here's what it does also indicate, is that His atonement, His blood atonement, the fact that He shed His blood for sin, He shed His blood for everybody's sin. So this verse, He's the Savior of the world, indicates that he's able to save any who would come to him by faith. I'm telling you, it, it completely refutes Calvinism, which says that Jesus died only for a certain elect. No, the Bible teaches that he died for all. It also teaches that you need to have a personal relationship with him because he's a savior of the world, but he needs to be your savior. Look at verse number 15, if you would again, please. Here as we're uh, just kind of getting back into it, whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God. God dwelt in him and he in God. In other words, he's acknowledging there, listen, you've got to identify who Jesus is. You've got to recognize who he is. He's God, very God. He's the Son of God. That means this, he's eternally the Son. There ought, never has been a time when he wasn't the Son of God. So John is pointing that out, that they would be right on doctrine, the matter of Christ's deity and his humanity. Then verse number 16 is also right in line with that. He says here, and we have known and believed. All right, we have known and believed. Known and believed, both those are perfect tenses of the verb. We have known and thus we still know. We have believed and we still believe. All right, now the word believe there is this idea of of not just saying, yes, I believe that, but trusting relying so we have known and we have believed and we are still believing or we are still relying are you still following me right here we are still relying on what well look at the rest of the verse here with me please he says we have known and believed the love that God hath to us we have known his love we still know his love we have believed and relied on his love and we still trust his love why because God's love is reliable God is love he says, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. We've already covered that, so we move on to the next point. How we do it? Right, making good sense. So true believers characteristically show love to others. Right now, in this section that we're looking at here, John is describing a significant result then of being sure about God's love. All right, he's showing a significant result of being confident, of believing, relying on God's love being confident in that, and also the result of salvation. So here's here's the result of it. Look at verse number 17. Herein is our love made perfect. Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. Herein, in this. So, All right, now, there's a question here as has been the case throughout the book of 1 John, does this go back to verse 16 or does it go forward to verse 17? Well, most likely what he's doing here in verse 17 is he's saying, I'm sorry, about, about a part of verse 16, he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. In other words, hey, listen, you, you can be sure of your salvation. God's in you. He's, you're in him. And herein is our love then made perfect. In other words, I don't have to fear. I don't have to wonder, does God love me or does God love me not? Remember playing that in second grade? No, God doesn't play that. He loves me, he loves me. No, he loves you. Herein is our love made perfect. That, look at the next part. Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, okay? So herein is our love made perfect, okay? The word perfect is used four times in 1 John. It's used back uh, in chapter number two. It's used also in chapter number four in verse 12. It's used here in 17 and 18, and there's one other instance that's there, but it it basically means this. Our love comes to completion, or our love hits its goal or hits its mark, all right? So herein is our love made complete or perfect. Uh, It comes to its full end. Herein is our love mature. Are Are we falling along so far? Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness, that means confidence, in the day of judgment. Confidence or boldness in the day of judgment. In other words, the day that I stand before God, I can stand there in full assurance, not dread. How many of you think that's pretty important? Standing before God, and either heaven or hell is the verdict. It's in the Bible. Only two destinations. Heaven, the abode of God. Hell, separation from God. Hell, becoming the lake of fire, being cast into the lake of fire. Judgment, the day of judgment. Hey, listen, the Bible, regardless of what people want to kind of shrug off, the Bible still teaches that there is a day of reckoning. There is a day of judgment. But as believers, John is saying, herein is our love made perfect or complete that we may have boldness or confidence in the day of judgment. We don't have to fear the judgment. We don't have to dread that. We don't have to be in a place where we're not looking forward to it. But because of who he is and we know him and his love, now I can look forward to it with confidence. All right? because we have boldness in the day of judgment. And then he says this, and this, we're going to park here for just a minute because I'm telling you, this is the most significant hinge part of these verses. And it's not the easiest to under, understand, but I know that you came to do some work in the text here tonight. You didn't come to mess around, isn't that right? You didn't come to sleep. Is anybody sleeping? Let me make sure. This is so important. Because how, here's the question. How then can you have confidence in the day of judgment? That's a legitimate question. How can you as a sinner, Unless there's somebody here without sin. If you're here without sin, then really the message doesn't apply to you. Okay, don't see anybody leaving. Okay, so we're all saying. So how can you, in your state of sinfulness, how can you be confident, if the Bible says that, that he gave the law, that every mouth may be stopped. But by the way, the day of judgment is not going to be Postponed. Somebody else's court date might get pushed back, pushed back, pushed back strategically because they're trying to do something. But I'm telling you, the day of God's judgment, the day of judgment will not be postponed. No, God's firmly in control. So you either go there fully prepared and confident and bold, not arrogant, not arrogant. No, not at all arrogant. You go there confident, fully assured. But the good question would be this, how can I do that? How can I go fully assured? Okay, let's look at the text a little bit more here. Herein is our love made perfect and that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. As he is, he's answering the question. As he is, so are we in this world. Three parts of that. As he is, so are we in this world. All right, let's deal with the easy part first. All in favor, good hearty, amen. Amen. In this world, that just basically means this. Right now, in this world, in this world that you're living in, it's in, a, it's in contrast to the day of judgment. You follow me? The day of judgment, that's in eternity, or that's, that's when, that's a, a, at least it's out there in the future. It's not right now. So it's in contrast to that, in this world. So that took care of that. So we can have, hang on now, we can have boldness, confidence right now I don't have to get here let's say here's the day of judgment I don't have to get here to see if there's some kind of scale that that is going to light up and show if I'm I'm in or out no I can be back here in the year 2023 today and know that when I stand there everything's all right Amen. <laughs> huh already know how the judge is gonna rule. Huh? You getting this? All right. So as he is, so are we in this world at this time. Okay. So as he is, so are we. Okay. I I think we get that part. So are we, that's us. Okay. That was the second easiest part. In this world, so are we as he is. All right. Now, now we got to deal with a few things. As he is, present, past, or future tense. Present, as he is. Okay, let me deal with another part. So are are we are present, past, or future? Present, as he is. So are we in this world? All right. Now, who's the he? Well. I think it's pretty evident. He is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. Throughout the book of John, haven't we seen that? How that he says, he that walketh in him, or saith he abideth him, ought to walk even as he walked. Chapter 2, verse 6. How about chapter 3, verse number 3? That he that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he, he is pure. Jesus Christ. So oftentimes John just out of the blue refers to Jesus with the pronoun he expecting that you and I are going to get it because it's gettable. (laughs) Okay. That is definitely not a word, but just invented here tonight. You can get that. All right. So now he says, as he is, as Jesus is, so are we in this world. So what does that mean? Well, okay. Let's rule out what it doesn't mean. All right. As he is. Well, how is he now? Well, he's bodily. He's in his glorified body in heaven. Isn't that where he is? That's where he is. So does that one work? As he is, so are we in this world. Okay, That would be the X. Wrong. (laughs) Okay. Because this is not a glorified body and you're not in a glorified body either. All right, so we can rule that one out that as he is right now in a glorified body, that's not how we are because I got a pain in my foot and a pain in my hand if you care to know and, and, and I'm losing hair and other stuff that may or may, may not be evident to you. Now, the hair thing's probably pretty evident to you. This is not a glorified state. This is a result of the fall, the fallout. <laughs> All right, so as he is, so are we in this world. Okay, so it can't be that. That's not what John is saying. Now, what, would it, what else could it mean? Well, it could be, As he is, so are we in this world in the sense that as he is in character, so are we in this world. Well, everyone here that's saved ought to be Christ-like. That's God's goal. Election, predestination does not apply to lost people as to whether or not they get saved. It applies to saved people and God's plan for saved people. That whom he foreknow, them he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his dear son. Okay? So it is God's foreordained, preorganized plan that you and I would be just like his son. He's so pleased with his son that he wants everybody to be just like him. So it is God's will that you and I would be Christ-like. All right, so let's go back to the text here. As he is, so are we in this world. That's how we'd have confidence today in judgment. Well, I mean, that works to a certain extent, but how many here tonight would say, yes, I'm Christ-like? No, I think everybody here that's in your right mind and maybe somebody even just woke up is saying, no, preacher, I know I'm not Christ-like. So I don't think that that's what John is saying. But here's what I think John is saying. As Jesus is in his standing before the Father, so are we. Amen. And that's beloved, that's the only way that I can have boldness or confidence in the day of judgment is that God, the Father, is looking at me, not in my own <laughs> state of righteousness because I had none, but because of the atonement of Jesus Christ and he shed his blood for you and he gave his righteousness as a gift to you and it's applied to your account as he is righteous. So are we in this world today and thus I can have confidence. I'll be honest with you. you and I don't deserve that. I said we don't deserve that. It obviously had to be a gift, dear friend. But listen, you can go throughout life not wondering. I wonder if I'm right with God or not. No, wait a minute. I can't explain all of it. But I can tell you on the authority of the Word of God. And what's studied out here is that God's love is not performance-based, but it's based on His love, His His character, and His love that does not vacillate. And His acceptance of us is not based on our performance, but it's based on. Jesus and his performance. And thus as he is, so are we in this world. Amen. Amen. Alright. I mean that's a good spot just to clear off and have a fit. When you realize I'm going to heaven today, I mean, I don't know if it'll be like today today, but I know I'm going to heaven. Do you know you're going to heaven? And I look forward to seeing him. And I know that I will see him. And I don't dread seeing him. No more than I dreaded seeing Angie come down the aisle. What if I, at that moment, said, I'm out of (laughs) here. No, I didn't do that because we already had a relationship. Hey, 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 hey. I said, I didn't do that. I wasn't fearful the day that I was going to see her come down that aisle because we already had a relationship. I wonder today if you're fearful about the future because you don't have a relationship with the one that you're going to see someday. Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness at the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. I don't know how else to emphasize that except just keep going in the text because the text will drive it home. All right, look, at, look at verse number where are we at? Yep, there we are. Verse number 18, there is no fear in love. Okay, now here's the deal. All right, now you, you and I need to understand this too. Before I move on, I, I, I got to go back to verse 17 just a little bit because he's our judge. Right. John chapter five, verse 22 says that the father has committed to the son judgment. uh, uh Paul, as he wrote, you know, preached the word, but he also said this, that he shall judge, talking about Jesus, he shall judge the quick and the dead. He shall judge, Jesus shall judge. Amen. Matthew chapter 25, okay, turn to it just real quick. Can you do that? I had you mark it, so just so that that's not in vain. Let's look at it. Matthew chapter 25, I'm gonna preach it here in about a month, probably two months, because I'm just telling you chapter 24 is gonna take some time to get through. I hope you're not in a hurry in your church membership. All right, I'm just telling you, there's a lot to that, all of that discourse. And in chapter 25, it's still part of that preaching up on top of Mount of Olives. And But look at verse number 31. I just want you to understand that, that someday you'll stand before the Lord Jesus Christ. There's so many verses I have in my notes right here about someday that we'll stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And even in the book of Revelation that I saw a great white throne and he that sat upon it from whose faith the heaven and the earth fled away. Hey, listen, friend, there's coming a day when the lost will stand before him. The dead will stand before him. But we're not among the dead. You're saved. Your name is written in the book of life. The Lamb's book of life. Never. I may lose my voice here tonight. You know how it is when I get back to preaching. It's been a while since I preached. I nearly forgot, but I'm starting to remember here just a little bit that listen, dear friend, your name is written in the book of life. It will never, ever, ever be erased. Why? Because as he is, so are we in this world. That was true yesterday. That's true today. And if you totally mess up tomorrow, now don't do that because that's not what God's will is for you. But if you totally mess up tomorrow, as He is, so are you you in this world. Now get it right. It's part of the point of 1 John here because if you say that you're in Him and and you walk in, in darkness, then you lie and do not the truth fooling yourself, so he deals with all that. So don't be, dude, don't be scared of eternal security and say, well, if we teach and preach eternal security, people live in, in sin. No, that's not right because if we teach eternal security and we understand the love of God, then listen, you wanna live for God. Amen. Matthew 25 and verse number 31, when the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. That's talking about Jesus, friend, His glory. This is another verse that points to the deity of Jesus Christ. Look at verse number 32. Before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another. As a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats, and he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto them that are on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Hey, listen, friend. He's got a wonderful plan for us. Wow, praise his holy name. And he knows the difference between the sheep and the goats. He's a shepherd who knows those who belong to him. I'm reading right now a book by Brother John Connerup uh, from Alcatraz to Africa about his dad, Richard Connerup and Miss Janine Connerup, who went as pioneering missionaries to to Ethiopia. And and he talked about some of those little boys that were out there that were shepherds among the goats and how that they can be all mixed together. And yet he knows, that little shepherd knows which goats are his. And and there may be a hundred goats out there, but they all know him and he knows them. Hey, listen, friend, I'm not a goat. And if, <laughs> and if you're saved tonight you're not a goat you're a sheep and he's your shepherd and you can say with David the Lord is my shepherd Amen. I may not be good but he's good dear friend and as he is so am I in this world my soul there's some encouragement right there if you'll take hold of it It's no fear and love okay but you need to know this too you need to know this too verse number uh, verse number forty. One, then he says to those on his left hand, depart from me, you cursed, and into everlasting fire. That's what Jesus said. Everlasting fire. If you do not know him as your savior, you need to fear. You need to be in a state of dread. You need to be distressed. You need to be concerned about it because eternity is forever and ever. And you'd be in a place called hell forever, burning in literal flames. Jesus said. You say, well, Billy Graham said it's just metaphorical. Jesus said it's literal. Other theologians says that it's annihilation, that you'll just burn up and be done with it. But Jesus said it's everlasting fire. There is reason to fear. There is reason to dread if you don't know the Son of God. Oh, but listen! I got to thinking about that song that the that the choir sings. Uh, that when no more night, you know that one phrase in there. I have no need to dread, or I know the King. I can't quote it. It's in my notes. I'll sing it for you another day. But I, I know the King. There's no need to dread. As the names are called, no need to dread. Verse forty-six. He says, "They shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the just, the righteous, rather, unto ever life eternal." See, familiarity breeds confidence. You listening to me tonight? Familiarity breeds confidence. You can know you're saved because you know Him. He doesn't play games. He doesn't get moody like you do. Thank God for that. God doesn't say, all right, you're my child. You're not my child. You're my child. You're not my child. You're my son. You're not my son. You're not my, you're my daughter. You're not my daughter. No, 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 no. He says, listen, you're eternally mine. Amen. There's no fear in love. Okay, let's go back to 1 John. I'm going to get you home by midnight. Don't fear. There's no fear in love. He say, I don't know if you love us. I do. Enough to tell you this. Look at it, verse 18. There's no fear in love. That's what he said. There's no fear in love, but perfect love, perfect love, Um, perfect love casteth out fear. Perfect love. When when you know the perfect source of love, you know his love is perfect. Your your love and my love is not perfect, but our love can grow. In a relationship, it can grow. And as it grows and the fear goes out, I'm not, I'm not the least bit concerned that Angie talked to some other man today other than just like at the store or something like that. But I, I'm not concerned about it. I know she didn't. You know why? Because she loves me and I love her and we're in a love relationship. I'm not concerned who she's talking to. You with me? Because love casts out fear and I trust that she can trust the same thing about me. Are you, are you following me? Can God trust you with that kind of trust? You see what I'm saying? Perfect love casts out fear. Well, we don't have to fear what God does. God's always going to treat you right. Okay, let's get back to the verse here, right? I'll tie that in in just a minute and hopefully it'll make sense. There's no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear because fear hath torment. Now again, in the context, I believe what he's dealing with is the the fear and the torment that would be produced if you didn't know Jesus as your savior and you were dreading the day of your death. Well, that kind of fear does have torment. That kind of fear will keep you up at night. But he says, perfect love, cast out fear. The word cast is interesting. It means uh, how that they would cast out a net and fishing. It means uh, how that Jesus in his parable about the good fish and the bad fish, he kept the good fish and they throw the other bad fish away. Okay. But here it's a powerful word that perfect love, it, it drives it out because I know I don't have anything to fear. Perfect love casteth out fear because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. All right? So um, let, let's say this. <clears throat> your mom says when your dad gets home, I mean, have you ever heard those words? Look at all the sinners in the room. When, you, when your dad, okay, now it's eight o'clock in the morning. He's not getting home till six, right? I mean, you had a bad day, he's starting out. When you, okay, let's say it's 10 o'clock. Let's say it's two o'clock. When your dad gets home, right? Man, you're going to get it. You know what? The rest, you know, it's hard to enjoy the rest of your day. You know why you're not looking forward to it? Because you know things aren't right. That's right. I remember, I remember a drives home from our grandparents, my grandparents' house, our grandparents' house. And I, I had done wrong and they didn't spank me there, but they were gonna spank me when I got home. Or maybe it was a longer drive than that because I thought, all right, if I go to sleep, maybe, I won't get a spanking. Because <laughs> what parent would spank a, a sleeping child? Well, if you spank a sleeping child, he won't stay that way. <laughs> it didn't work. It didn't work. But you know, when things are right between me and my parents, I didn't mind if they came in my room. I was glad to sit down with them. You follow me? But when things weren't right, I had reason to fear. The principle... We'll see you today at three o'clock. Now, most days you look forward to three o'clock because that means the bell rings and you go home. But that day you live in dread and fear because a three o'clock sound means you're going to Mr. Burgess's office. I'm telling you some personal testimony (laughs) right now. You dread it, you fear it. The boss says he wants to see you in his office. Well, that's either because he's going to give you a raise or not. Right? It really all depends on how your relationship is. This is this making sense? Okay, perfect love though casts out fear. Now, we love him because he loved us. If a man say, I love God, but he hated his brother, he's a liar. For he that loveth, we've already really dealt with verse twenty, and even really verse number twenty-one. It just kind of summarizes it, and I'm just simply trying to get this across here tonight that familiarity with God does not breed contempt and disrespect for God's character. Because the more that you get to know Him, the more you know He's trustworthy, and the more you know that He's loving, and thus familiarity with God actually breeds confidence that causes you to want to have more and more of a relationship with Him, and you don't dread looking forward to seeing Him, but you look forward to it because you've got a relationship perfect love from God says to you as a saved person you have no legitimate reason to fear the day of judgment because you will not stand at the great white throne and be cast into hell Now, you and I will stand before the judgment seat of Christ and receive rewards or loss of rewards. And that ought to motivate the believer to think, you know, I need to live for Him. But I hope it goes deeper than that. I hope it's the love of Christ that constrains us. Because we thus judge, one died for all, all were dead, and He died for me. And thus, love for Him motivates service for Him. And I can live without fear. Will you have moments of nervousness or fear when the doctor comes in and he tells you the prognosis is not good? Sure, it can hit you right there. But you know, because of what you did as an eight-year-old or as a 10-year-old or a 50-year-old when you trusted Christ as your Savior, no need to fear. When you've messed up, and you will, you will, I will, we will, But I'm so glad we can go back to verse 17 and say, as he is, so are we. In our brains, we think, no, you got to merit his favor. Not since it's by grace. Now, do you need to ask for forgiveness? Most definitely. You go back to chapter one, you see that if we sin, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. But if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And thus, in the eyes of God, you have eternal value. It's not, okay, I'm done with this. Think about this. There's not a stock market on your soul with God where it's up one day and it crashes the next. No, his love for you is consistent. And thus you can rest secure in his love. Father, I thank you tonight. What a set of verses we've considered here together. And I know that there's more that could be said about him, dear God, and no doubt maybe even more clarity brought to him but I sure enjoyed the study of it and I pray that it's been a help, Lord. God, in a day of uncertainty, I'm thankful that we can be certain about our salvation and your character and your love. And when the trials of life come or we fail in temptation that your love doesn't vary, it's steady. God, I thank you for that and I pray that you'd help us here tonight. As we have a time of invitation, Lord, help us to draw close because getting to know you is only going to help us and getting close to you is only going to cause us to have confidence in living. Please help us to understand and apply that here tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.